You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, Superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. Welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Um, if you've been following the news, you know that uh, there's been a spike in some uh, substance abuse issues in our county and in our area. And, and here in Averill Park, we are unbelievably fortunate to have a really, really, really strong partnership with the county. Um, Actually, for more than 20 years now, we've had a student assistance counselor in our middle school and in our high school, and they are invaluable resources. I know when I was at Algonquin, uh, the deep connection that that person had to the building in every aspect, and now I see it from this role, how that has uh, become even more and more important as time has gone on. So again, for more than 20 years, we've had this role. This role. It's a partnership with the county. Um, so we're very thankful to our relationship with the county in this case, they both work for the Department of Mental Health, and they have uh, been gracious enough to spend some time to talk to us about what's kind of going on in our schools and what's going on in our community, especially as we head off into summer. And with this topic being in the news, we try to keep our, our topics here as relevant as possible. And uh, unfortunately, this one is relevant right now because of what's going on. So thank you very much to Kim and Alyssa for joining us, and I'll let them uh, introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves. Kim, do you want to start off for us? Sure. Thanks, Dr. Franchini. So I'm Kim Favreau. Um, I'm the student assistance counselor here at the high school level. I've been in this position. I believe this is my eighth year in the role here at, at AP. All right. Thank you, Kim. Alyssa? Hi, my name is Alyssa Evans. I am the student assistance counselor at Algonquin Middle School. Um, this is my first year here at Averill Park, um, although I've previously worked in collaboration with Averill Park. Um, and Kim, um, I've been in this job with the county for, I think, eight years. I was at a Screenbush Central School District for seven years, and this is my first year here at April Park. Great. Thank you, Alyssa. And again, we know at this point it's a very busy time of year to, to take some of your time. We really appreciate it. So the district recently sent out a community advisory about a spike in overdoses, uh, some of which are seemingly related to tainted vape cartridges. Can you talk to us a little bit about this alarming information and kind of what's going on out in our community? Um, we thought it would be important to get information out um, that's very current to our staff members, to our community members, to our parents and to our young people that these are the realities of what kind of is going on, not somewhere else, but right here in our backyard, but it's reflective of what's going on nationwide, not just here. Um, so there was a spike and in 72 hours, there was, a significant amount of overdoses and five being fatal. Most of that was connected to um, cocaine contaminated with fentanyl, but there is concerns within our county having to do with marijuana vapes being laced. And we've seen this in other states that are nearest to us. There has been overdoses having to do with laced vapes of both THC marijuana products and um, it is possible for nicotine products. So we want to make sure that um, people are well informed and aware so we can kind of address this. And like you said, is especially getting to this, we're getting to summertime. Um, and, you know, kids have maybe less structure, less supervision, more access and means to things. Um, so I think it is a good time to have this kind of discussion or get information out to our community. Just looking at that the, the scope of the trend with overdoses, we, we did have the Department of Health give us some updated information, but looking at in 2022, we had 45 total 
fatal overdoses, 34 of those were fentanyl related. And so far to date for 2023, we've had 34 fatal overdoses. Um, and again, they're doing all the toxicology uh, testing right now, or we'll, we'll get more information on that. But when you look at 2022 this time, last year it was 18. So you're seeing this, this dramatic increase, um, which is really concerning to us. As, and as Alyssa said, we're really focused on trends, looking at trends. Part of our job as our team, as a student assistance team, is we go to a tremendous amount of training. We talk to people throughout the capital region and we look at what's happening in the western part of the country, what's happening even in the western part of the state. And for the last year or so, we had been hearing more about contaminated vaping products, um, the, the concentrates, right? That that was easier to contaminate. Um, and fentanyl has now been linked to it. So we were seeing that. We saw that in Western New York as well. I know we talked to our school resource officer and our nurses about this as well, kind of looking at those trends. And we have seen now, like we said, the fentanyl, but then there's also some other drugs that we're seeing laced in the THC vapes, which is concerning because a lot of our youth are being drawn to those products. I know we'll get into a little bit more when we talk about that. Um, that role from nicotine vapes to THC vapes, but they're even finding DXM um, contaminated vape products as well, which is a cough suppressant. Um, you're looking at potential hallucinogens um, or hallucinogenic products in terms of contamination as well. It's uh, certainly alarming. I know that we have seen, like other school districts throughout the area, uh, an increase in the use of vaping, right? It's all over the place. So when you, you add that combination of the increased use of the vaping with the information you just provided, and it is very alarming. So unfortunately, we think the, the, the kids kind of think in some cases that it's pretty harmless and uh, not something that's going to lead to anything more significant. And it's just, it's just not true. So, uh, for our parents out there, I'm sure there are parents that think that their child is too young to be doing this type of thing. You know, my kid's not vaping, my kid's not doing it, their friends don't do it, they're too young to be doing it. How prevalent is the vaping in middle school and high school age children in general? Again, I know we're seeing issues um, in our district and in, in the region. What is your take on that in terms of how prevalent it actually is? I think this is certainly trended up and down um, because this used to not be a thing. Um, people, young people weren't using nicotine products. Older people were quitting. Um, and it wasn't until Juul came out in end of 2015, 2016, that, that this became, you know, popular. Substance stuff comes in and out, what's trending changes. And this was a new thing that was really, um, it used technology, it was discreet, there was a lot of misinformation, those kind of things. Um, and it really led the way to now this issue that we've kind of been dealing with with our young people and in schools since then. Um, it's, you know, it's not everybody's doing it, but this is certainly an, now an issue that we didn't have before. And it's been the gateway to then other substance use and earlier and earlier age of onset for substance use. Um, and their access and means is also much different than when we were a younger person. So all of that kind of creates a little bit of a perfect storm for um, us addressing this with our young people because it, it's nuanced and it's and it's different. They It's more risky than when we were young people. They have more access and means through technology. 
Um, there is more instances with, you know, like lacing or getting into more significant, you know, substances sooner. Um, so I know schools throughout the country is they're, you know, seeing this in, you know, fifth graders and even younger now that has moved younger and younger in age. Um, and we want to make sure we're being as preventive as possible. Um, I think everybody, you know, would like to say like, yes, not my kid. And we all do our best. Um, and and every, any given Sunday, our kids could do anything. We're hopefully boosting those protective factors and decreasing those risk factors that make it less likely. Um, but young people have a natural desire to be curious, rebel, risk-taking, there's peer stuff, you know, all sorts of things. So it's not like a moral failing if kids try things or a failing of parents if kids do things. I think it's better to be informed and prepared. Like, all right, well, how would we deal with this? Or what is our expectations? Or what are possible consequences? And to focus on the things that we, we do have control over, um, because just best to be that active parent and prepared um, for, and hopefully you never have to use the information or address it as a parent, but it's just becoming more and more of a reality of the world in which, you know, we're living and trying to, you know, raise our young people. And, our, you know, our school takes, you know, we take an active, uh, we're very active in addressing the issue and getting resources set up for our young people, but a lot of kids are addicted. It is a big problem. Administrators are very busy with addressing this day to day. Our hall monitors, Alyssa and myself, you know, in terms of referrals related to this. So um, it's certainly that social pressure is also really high. So um, talking with your young people about that piece. Um, again, you know, the appeal of these products, as Alyssa said, it's really transition. Jewel is basically obsolete at this point, And now the disposables um, are just a huge appeal and they're very colorful and they pack a, a tremendous amount of nicotine in them. So we're thinking, why are they addicted? And why are a lot of them now also using marijuana? Again, that, that gateway with the nicotine rewiring the brain is, is a huge piece to all of this. Um, we used to see many kids who were juuling then also smoking cigarettes, I mean, dual users. And now we're seeing a lot of the students using nicotine starting that middle school years, early high school years, and now vaping THC products. And I think that's also trended for um, kids are dipping again, which weren't like that was, you know, used to be popular, wasn't, and now um, they're doing those things again, which I think is because these vape products have then introduced them to nicotine. They're much more likely to use things. And what we know is, you know, addiction's not an adult issue is, you know, 86% of addiction happens before the age of 18. So these, these tween and teen years are really important with decision-making and the earlier they engage in substance use of any kind, including nicotine is you're lighting up those pathways in the brain. And then they are four times more likely to use marijuana and their levels of addiction skyrocket. So even if they are even if we're just delaying when they try something or when they initially engage, we're letting their brains and body do the thing it's supposed to do. And we're hopefully protecting them against like those addiction things. And these things are more potent and pure than they were before. And kids don't realize they're going to get it. They're getting addicted very quickly and having a hard time stopping or making it through the school day. Like within the first month of using 25% of them are addicted within three months. It's like 80 some odd percent. Um, I could be quite off on numbers. Kim and I do presentations all the time, so I, I might be slightly off, but they don't realize how much they're getting in, 
how potent the nicotine is in these things or the level of THC, like, which is much different than when we were growing up. Um, so they're engaging in a lot of use and that perception of harm is, is down, like you said, Dr. Franchini, because it's, it's in a flavor, it's electronic use, it, it's a little thing, not like 16 packs of cigarettes in front of them. Um, and they're naturally going to be like, oh, bad things don't happen to me and my people. I can stop whenever I want to. Those are very common age and stage appropriate things. We're, we're, we're old, we, we, we know better, we've made it through those years, um, but they're, they're in it right now. That is a great information and those, those numbers are, they really, really tell a story. I mean, the data, we talk a lot about data here, that, that data really paints a picture right, of, of how this all develops and happens and what it leads to and the importance of, as you said, even delaying and being able to mature and be older and make these decisions, uh, hopefully the right ones when they're with us during these years. So the state just awarded more than $100 million in a settlement with Juul over the predatory marketing practices. Essentially, they were targeting children and, and many of the brands have kid-friendly flavors, as we know, and we've kind of talked about do you think that vaping is pretty appealing to our students more so than cigarettes or the other drugs? And you kind of hit upon this already a little bit. There's the appeal to vaping that just seems different. And maybe it's just, as you said, we're a little bit older, but reflecting back when we were going through this stage, the vaping, looking at students now, it just seems that the appeal is different. Not as bad. It smells good. It tastes good. Well, all these, it's just different. Is that accurate you think and i mean you guys are dealing with our kids literally every day over and over again throughout your day you're meeting with our students what is what is your take being out in the trenches on this i think the roadmap was there with we've seen this with big tobacco um and vaping used it and big marijuana is now using it so some of the tactics are the same it's just modernized um so jewel was what initiated a lot of this and it's created this this road fast and furious kind of thing. So it used technology, electronic means. Um, there was a lot of misinformation at first that wasn't accurate about our kids know this now. So we are happy in the classroom to hear those kids in 2016 thought it was just, um, you know, harmless water vapor and it doesn't have nicotine and it'll help you to quit. And our kids know like they, they get it now. So those are some of those things we've definitely combated. But it, you know, how do you get kids to use any substance? Well, if I can make the perception of harm down, I can make it cheap and easy to get, um, and it comes in a flavor, or I can make it in a gummy or an edible, they're more likely to take any of it. Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing. And it started with Juul, and then that was a, a market for people selling nicotine products. And then there was all sorts of companies, and a nicotine arms rest arms race of how can I get you you know more where it's less time before you need to get something and um, it in the beginning kids wanted to be discreet and they didn't want to get caught and us old people didn't know what it was that's not the case anymore is they want to get something cheap and they want to be able to have whatever for a longer amount of time before they have to hit someone else up to, to get something that has changed they're less worried about what the, the possible consequences you know are for those things it's more about cheap price point. So um, it definitely started the way and we're now in a very, that's not that many years between like 2016 and now, and we had a pandemic in that period of time that really ate up 
you know, many years where like the landscape as far as substances um, has changed and Jewel really opened the door for that. It's, it's, the flavoring is a big issue because that perception of, of harm. Like if it tastes like fruit and it smells like fruit and it doesn't linger around, it, it, our brain says it can't be that bad for us. And when Jewel and Miley, when they, they first came on the market, we, you know, talking with our young people, they knew the stores and the gas stations that didn't card, they could get things very easily right in parts of Troy and things like that. And now we know it's it's just in terms of like Alyssa's saying that ease of getting the products, uh, not to vilify social media, but it's just so easy. It's really at their fingertips to get a product. Um, and we highlighted, we just did a hidden dangers event with the Addiction Care Center in Albany and opiates committee we had that at the shack center and we had a mock bedroom right with all the different products hidden in the bedroom and parents got to go through and kind of see if they could identify the vapes or other paraphernalia within the room and we did talk a lot about identifying prevention talks pieces like that but we did also talk about the social media aspect of things um, between instagram and telegram we want parents to be aware telegram is a major app that's being utilized by drug dealers to disseminate products very easily. And even our young people who cannot drive, right? You think, oh, how are they gonna get anywhere to get anything if they're not getting it from school or a peer? And it will literally be dropped off to your house. It can be put in your mailbox. Parents are, are unaware of it. And you can also get products even on Amazon. We've had kids on YouTube seeing ads for things just scrolled along the screen. Um, you know, and the ease of getting these products is just tremendous as well. Um, so it's not so much about these shops, specific shops that sell to minors. Um, it's more so the access on social media at this point. And it can be really difficult. It's a tough thing for parents to stay on top of and be able to monitor. Think about all the means that some teenagers might have gotten some things, whatever the product is. When we were young people, as far as like older siblings or cousins or, you know, whatever corner stores that don't, you know, ID, those still exist, but then there's a whole nother avenue as far as technology and social media um, and monitoring, you know, like phones and the apps and the things that they have, you know, it's those unseen hidden dangers that um, are then something parents today have to, you know, tackle because this is kind of the gateway of how younger and younger kids have more access, like how are fifth graders, you know, getting this stuff. Um, and then when you talk about those safety things about someone knowing where you live and dropping things off to your mailbox or you meeting them wherever, um, they're not thinking about all those like safety things and they don't know what they're getting from whom before it is, you know, hit them. So when it comes to those concerns having to do with like lacing and what kids think they're using versus what they get is that is then ratcheted up and even higher. I was just going to say that, you know, I think going back to that lacing conversation and what's in this with the fentanyl, when you went to the corner store, you at least had some expectation that the product you're getting is the product you were getting. Now you're going through this app, which honestly I'd never even heard of before, this telegram. And now you have someone who you don't know dropping off something at your house that you don't even know if what you're getting is what you think you're getting. And if you're getting what you're supposed to be getting, that's bad. And if they've added anything to it, that's just exponentially worse. Like the danger level is just, it's frightening, right? Like, and as you're talking again, most of our listeners obviously are in the parent 
level and not students. And you know, I think back to what you, as, you're, as you're talking about the bullying component. And we talk all the time with parents about how in the old days when we were a kid and you, you know, were bothering someone or picking on someone or bullying someone, it was usually face to face. It was at school. And you could essentially turn it on and turn it off a little bit in terms of it wasn't all the time. And now with social media, it's happening when kids are at home in their bedroom at you know 11 o'clock at night. There's just no end to that uh, opportunity for that bad behavior to occur. And this is the same thing that you kind of, if I'm understanding correctly, talking about with the these products. Now, we used to think my kid had to go to the, the store to get it. Now you're telling us, Oh no, someone could be dropping something off in your mailbox without you even knowing to get a product that is worse than the product that you even think exists because of what's being added to it. It's, it's unbelievably uh, mind blowing, but extremely important for our parents to hear this because I don't think uh, people know this. So I really appreciate you sharing this information. What are some of the health risks? Like we've talked about it and you've kind of mentioned, I think, the earlier you start, the better chance of being addicted and it leading to other products. What are some of those health risks involved with smoking or vaping at a young age? So we, yeah, the, um, we actually do this partnership when we do our vaping presentation with the health department and the health department will usually talk very specific on health risks and we will talk about the addictive piece of things. Um, and when Alyssa and I are in the classroom, we do universal evidence-based programming and classroom lessons. So this is all covered um, very specifically from six through, you know, through the high school level. But, you know, in terms of long-term studies, we're still waiting, you know, in terms of some of those long-term health effects, but we know heart, lungs, kidneys, brain, and the nervous system, carcinogens, some of the main points that we hit upon with our young people. Um, but then when you talk about the mental health side of things and how it affects focus, concentration, learning, impulsivity. It can exacerbate mood disorders like anxiety and depression. Um, you know, those things we also find very important to link with our young people when we're talking about and doing those classroom lessons. We know that, you know, from our nurses, we see often when you're immediately using that dizziness is often present. Um, so that's usually kind of a red flag around that piece. Um, we've had kids, you know, a lot of, you know, if kids are athletes or they're working out a lot, that lung capacity issue, kids are noticing. And they're saying, that's a reason why I want to, I want to quit. I was noticing how I was performing on the field in terms of that. Right. And so we are seeing kids recognizing some of the health factors. Whereas Alyssa said, a lot of times with the teen brain, it's not me, not now. I won't get addicted. I'm not worried about those long-term health issues, but we are seeing some of those immediate things that kids are describing, as well as we have to also work with them around navigating withdrawal symptoms. You know, those cravings and the withdrawal can be really difficult. We want parents to know that, especially within the first two weeks of quitting, really helping to support our young people during that time. That's a time when you would often relapse, right, to ward off those withdrawal symptoms. So helping them through that with a quit plan and support and alternatives to use and ways to deal with stress and ways to deal with cravings can be really valuable. And there's some unique things with, you know, vaping of 
vaping of nicotine where you're seeing unique lung things like evali or for a period of time there was lung collapse. There's um, seeing, you know, all the things that we get with smoking of cigarettes and those kind of things, but issues with people's livers and kidneys, which they didn't anticipate. Like this is all going to be like our, their generations, we know more now than we knew then. Um, which was the case like when I was a baby, you could see someone holding a cigarette and holding me at the same time, not because I had great family and great parents and, and those kind of things, but we didn't know and I'm not terribly ancient. And for this stuff, it's only been around since 2016. So we already know a lot and it's not good, but it's going to be their generations. We know more now than we knew then we're going to come up, we're going to see more firsthand and secondhand health issues. Um, mental health is a significant one that Kim had mentioned. And then when it comes to marijuana and THC, it is apples and oranges. It is not your mama's marijuana. It's not even the same thing that it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. The potency is way higher um, with what young people have access and means to and what they're using, which changes the high they get, what it does to your brain and body development, and seeing significant issues with people's uh, mental, emotional well-being and their mental health and it being attached to things like schizophrenia, especially in males or earlier onset. Um, so, and the science they're doing behind marijuana is like Woodstock weed, it, like 2% THC, not what our young people are getting that is just is like 30 some odd percent THC or concentrates that could be up to 99% THC. Um, that's apples and oranges. And Alyssa, you know, the other pieces, and we've been hearing more as we encourage parents to look up scrometing and look at some of those health effects. The mental health effects of THC are really prevalent. Um, but then there's also what we call scrometing, which is screaming, vomiting, extreme nausea. Um, and it's causing more and more hospitalizations. Around, um, around the country um, due to cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome, which is basically a regular user, especially a teen user. Um, they will start to have severe vomiting that's causing dehydration has even caused some, some deaths as well. So this is something, again, we did not see as Alyssa was alluding to the potency of the products. This is directly related to how potent the products are um, how potent the THC is and the means in which we are um, inhaling it like through a vape. And we've definitely had young people um, be like, I'm not sure if I got something that was laced or I got something really high in THC that they don't, they don't know because of the experience they had after they used um, or greening out or whiting out and then needing medical attention because of their marijuana use. We always think, you know, overdose and, and as in like death, but people overdose on marijuana and can get very sick. Um, overdose deaths with marijuana has to do with lacing. Um, and the fact that there's more, there's more marijuana laced with Coke and there's more cocaine laced with fentanyl, which again is a recipe for ODs. And then with vaping of marijuana concentrates, that's an another recipe for, you know, overdoses as well. So now that we've scared, um, all of our parents. I'm going to say, not, now, that, now that we're trying to scare you. <laughs> um, if they're still listening, what can parents do? What, some, what are some suggestions? Again, I, I can't emphasize, I don't know if our listeners appreciate um, what you two do, as I said, literally every day. I mean, this is 
not a hobby for you. It's what you do when you're here, but I also know both of you, it's what you do when you're not here. The amount of community events and your engagement with the community, Nopiates was mentioned, they're a huge partners, a partner of ours, uh, and the Murdoch family who's been unbelievably supportive and the events that is done, are done with them. I, I know there's the coalition in Rensselaer County that you guys are a key part of uh, that brings people together. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that you two do during the day and then outside the day is unbelievable and is it can't be overemphasized or overstated the value that the two of you bring to the district and to our students and our families but you are literally doing this non-stop every day is there any advice for parents out there that you would give in terms of helping to navigate this crazy crazy world uh, well, thank you. That is very kind. And I think part of that is um, Kim and I and our counterparts and other schools are just trying to stay on top of it. This changes very quickly. This has changed a lot in the last seven, eight years that we've been doing it. Um, so that's why we try to stay so active and informed um, because you, you can't stop what you don't spot. And that's really our advice to parents. So part of it is getting educated and, you know, hopefully um, that's why we send out things, you know, to the community and parents. That's why we're putting on community presentations or trained faculty or putting out things like this, because if you're not aware of it and you don't see it, how do we do something about it? Right? So that's part of it. Um, so, and getting educated. Um, and then educating our, our young people and having conversations with them about things. Not putting blinders on that, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen with our young people, but like, what are we gonna do when it does? Like ahead of time, like, what are my expectations having to do with this stuff? Because I mean, although we think that our kids are listening is parents are actually the number one reason kids don't use, or if they do that, they do so more safely or have tolerance and moderation when they're doing things. If you have to come home and look at someone in the face, if you know you're going to get a consequence um, you know, for it, or if someone's gonna be disappointed is they are a lot less likely or at least put the brakes on and kids don't have, you know, they got, they got all gas a lot of times. They don't have a lot of break, but to be able, they don't have that like internal part yet we got to put the training wheels on that for them as adults so that they have it when they're 25 and their brains fully developed. So like there are things, we have a lot of influence as adults. We don't have a lot of control. We can't puppet them around, but we can have a lot of influence. And that is a school home partnership, but parents are the number one reason. You are their inner voice. We can all play like the part of our parent in our head you know, so it, it does stick. So that short messaging in and out repeatedly. So they know how, where you stand on it and what your beliefs are and that there's going to be consequences and those kind of things. And then what are we modeling as adults? What are, what are we doing? Right. Um, and what are they aware of that we're doing and how are we dealing with life things and problems and stress? This all makes a huge difference. Um, and that parental monitoring of cell phones and social media and those kind of things um, is even more important. And what age do they have access to these things and how much are you on top of it, which is something, you know, our parents had to deal with different things, but it's something parents today have to kind of tackle that wasn't a thing, but like what we say matters. And we know teens are going to, they're going to try things and they're going to do things or they're just going to be curious and and they're gonna, um, you know, peer stuff, but we don't, we expect it, we don't accept it. There's a difference between knowing like, yeah, my young person may do this stuff and like endorsing it or co-signing it. Those are two, you know, different things. And I think that their perception of, you know, what is like 
normal or what everybody's doing or what is safe or what adults are okay with is also different than I was a young person when I would have been like, that is not going to fly and that's not going to go over well and my life's going to be miserable if I get in trouble for whatever. Um, I think some of those things have kind of changed and we encourage, you know, parents to, you know, talk to prevent, keep the lines of communication open, the relationship open, um, using those car rides when they're stuck and they can't get away from you, using when you see things on television or hear whatever in the news um, and not going into, you know, lecture mode, but instead asking them like, oh, what do you think about this? Or what, what do you think um, would help young people to make good decisions about this stuff? Or what are your friends doing? Um, and starting those conversations, you know, with them about things. So a lot of times it feels really big and it feels really scary and it feels like we don't have control over a lot of things, but we do have control over some things and we do have control, over, we have influence over a lot of things and it makes a huge difference. And we wanna empower our kids. We wanna make sure like they have good, those protective factors, they have good self-esteem. So they're not turning to things to, they have good, you know, um, problem solving, good ways to manage their emotions and stress, good peer relationships, can stand up to peer pressure, have assertive communication, like all these foundational things are going to help them when it comes to this decision-making having to do with substance stuff or, you know, peer stuff. Um, we want to make sure that they're they're built up as much as possible so they can like face these times with the least amount as risk as possible. So it's not just the substance stuff, but it's like it's them as kids too, building them up and their strengths and their assertiveness um, and their coping skills and their resilience is all going to help them to be able to get through these times as least unscathed as possible. And listening, you know, we would love more parents at our events, of course, but we know everybody's really busy, but we are really a phone call away. We are a confidential resource. If you're going through something, if you find something, you want more information, we're happy to talk to parents on a day-to-day -day basis. That's a big part of what we do as well, our referrals outside to other agencies and connections. Um, you know, I think the last piece would maybe also just saying, Lockboxes are now a thing we're promoting like at our events to get a lockbox and with legalization of marijuana, if you are a marijuana user, obviously we're not saying that as legal or safe for our young people, locking up your products, reducing the availability, um, know what's in your medicine cabinet. Be very mindful of that, putting things that might be misused in a locked box. Um, I think that's something that we have really been promoting, especially in the last year and get trained in Narcan, have Narcan at your house. Uh, we were the first, I think we were the first school in the county, probably even the capital region that trained our students in Narcan. We did that during wellness day. So if you're 16 and over, you can now get trained in Narcan and have a kit on you. So we do encourage that piece as well. Those are some really, really important tips. Uh, something you mentioned, Kim, that I, I should have mentioned earlier is the confidentiality piece. So far, folks know who are listening, uh, the two of you as county employees have a different level of confidentiality that school employees don't. And that's really something important for students to know and parents to know that you have a different standard you have to follow. So the information you have is not shared with the principal, the other counselors. You're able to have very private, confidential conversations uh, apart from the quote unquote school world, which I think is part of what makes uh, your role so valuable, right? In addition to everything else, it's that kind of safe space for kids to go and for parents to go to contact 
uh, either one of you. Well, we've taken a lot of your time. I thank you very much. We, we've done a lot of episodes and I think they're all uh, super important and very valuable. But I, as we go into the summer and we know what's going on, I, I think this would be at the top of the list in terms of what our parents need to hear and the information you provided so relevant and topical and you two are literally experts in this and we really appreciate you uh, spending some time. And if our listeners are interested, as you said, they're, you're easy to get to uh, Alyssa at the middle school, Kim at the high school, and um, you're certainly more than willing to work with parents um, and our students. So thank you very much for taking some time today. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day. Thank you.